Welcome to Vineyard Church Cardiff podcast. This week is our third in our series, Act Justly, Love Mercy, Walk Humbly. And Matt Meads is going to be looking at what it means to walk humbly before God and how this has an impact on our heart for justice and compassion. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. Uh, Great to see you. Thanks for joining us. Um, Well, today I'm continuing our series, Act Justly, Love Mercy and Walk Humbly. And this series is taken from a short passage in the Old Testament, in the book of Micah. Uh, These are words written many years before the birth of Jesus. The the prophet Micah, who was communicating on behalf of God, he was standing in the gap and reminding people what is important to God and what was on his heart. And the passage is uh, Micah chapter 6, verse 8. It says this, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, Alice began this series uh, with the theme of justice and righteousness. She was exploring what it means to pursue justice on the behalf of others, that we are to treat all people as made in God's image and to act to make it right when they are not being treated as such. And also a reminder that next week we're going to be returning to the scene with a particular kind of in-depth look at the topic of, of racial injustice. That's, that's next week. And then last week, uh, James continued the series. He looked at the, the biblical imperative that calls us, us as followers of Jesus, to care deeply and to show mercy for those around us, particularly as they face struggle and hardship. And we talked about how, as a church, it's in our DNA to be a people who, who show courageous compassion in the way that our hearts go out to those to those in need in our city and, and beyond. That there is a suffering that is happening on our watch. And we won't be a people who just walk on by and be passive. Instead, we will be like the Good Samaritan. We will act and we will intervene. So today I'm going to be continuing that series. Uh, but we're going to be exploring a different theme today. We're exploring the theme of what it is to, to walk humbly, which is the final part of that passage. And that's, it's an interesting theme. Because perhaps it's not hard to see why the themes of justice and compassion, justice and mercy, they often go hand in hand. They're often talked about in the same breath. But what about walking humbly? Or to put it in a slightly different way, what about humility? Justice, mercy and humility. Why did God, you know, through the words of the prophet Michael, why did he put those three things together? Why did he group them together? It throws up some interesting questions. What, is it, what does it look like to walk humbly? What, and what does it take to walk humbly? What does it mean for us as individuals? What does it mean for us as a church? To, to be, you know, what, does it, what does it mean to be a, a humble church? What does it take for us as, as people, as individuals, to walk humbly? And I've, you know, I've really chewed on this the last few weeks. And, and as I've reflected on it, I think the most helpful thing is to break it down into kind of three different aspects. And that's what I want to talk about today. The first aspect is, is, is us, it's me, it's, it's you, it's us. The second part is God, God himself. And the third part is others, it's not us, it's the, it's the others around us in our lives. And there's an interconnectedness to these three, these three aspects. There's a bit of a dance going on, I think. It's just when we walk, when we walk humbly, we have this clear sense, it's a God-breathed sense of, of ourselves, but also of God and others. And these things all, all align and, and kind of come together to cause a humility. 
So let's start with the first part, which is us, which is me and you. And I want to start here because I think this is perhaps the hardest part to grasp as we, as we look at this kind of exhortation to walk humbly. It's the biggest barrier. The biggest barrier to walking humbly is actually ourselves. Because that's actually a dichotomy. You know, at the heart of this, there is this kind of two sides to the same coin. We need to know that we are wonderful. Good news. I'm wonderful. You're wonderful. This is the scriptural truth. The, what we, when we read the Bible, when we hear the voice of God, we hear that we are not an accident. In fact, the opposite is true. We are fearfully, perfectly, wonderfully made. There's a classic book, uh, many of you might have read it. It's called The Purpose Driven Life by uh, an author and a pastor called Rick Warren. Uh, it's a book that, you know, I just love that book. I'd probably reread it every couple of years, um, by the way. And in, in that book, literally the very first chapter, chapter one, right at the start, he explores this. He says that for anyone who is exploring the meaning of life, they should know that they have been created on purpose by God for his purpose. They have been created uh, not by accident, but by design. Essentially, we are made by him and for him. Now, furthermore, you should look, you should look at loads of bits of scripture to, to reinforce this. You know, one example would be uh, maybe today or later in the week, meditate on Psalm 139. It's a, it's a psalm that really clearly kind of unpacks just how precious we are to God and because of God. You know, if you were to read that psalm just in a few minutes, you would find out that God is always with us. He is with us in every thought, in every action. That God hems us in before and behind with his love. That we can never be outside his presence. We would read that we, are, we, that we have been knitted together in the womb, right from our inception. That he knows our most inward parts. It would tell, the psalm would tell us that we are, yes, fearfully and wonderfully made. The psalm tells us that uh, all the days of our lives, everything that's going to happen, are already written in his book. That nothing about us is unknown to him. So much of scripture points, to, points towards the fact that we are truly loved as children of God and we are truly known. It says so in, in the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. It, in uh, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1, it says that we are his beloved children. Beloved. So in this life, I mean I could go in, in this life it's very important to, to recognise that we are his beloved children. That means that we have, we know our origin, we know our identity, our purpose, our meaning, our significance, and we also know ultimately our destiny. If you're following Jesus and you know him in your life, ultimately we can never be a nobody. We cannot be a nobody because of the scriptural truth over our lives and who we are in God. We cannot be a nobody, just God has made us to be a somebody. It, it's good to be us. It's good to be you, it's good to be me, because of this truth. And yet, and here's the twist in this. This is the dichotomy I was talking about. It's good to be us, but it's not. It's not about us, it's not about me, it's not about you. That might not be what you want to hear, but it's not, it's not about us. And if it's not about us, then what is it about? Well, ultimately, it's all about God. It's about our Heavenly Father who created us. It's about Jesus 
God's own son who changes everything and through whom we are reconciled to God. And it's about the Holy Spirit who comes to live in us and changes us from the inside out. Let's look again at Micah 6 verse 8. Now by now, over the last few weeks, many of us can recite the three calls to action. In fact, last week I saw, saw someone in our church who's wearing a t-shirt with it, which is great. Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. So we're learning these calls to action, which is great. But if you look right at the start, there's a really helpful clue in the very first line. It says, he has shown you, O mortal. That is such a helpful phrase. O mortal, mere mortals. That's what we are. Because I think there's something in the fact that the beginning of humility is actually when we come to the end of ourselves. We are just mortals. We are limited. There's only so much we can do. We are time bound. We only have so many days and hours. We make mistakes. We fall short all the time. I, I'm all too well aware of this. We are not God. And humility and to walk humbly is to start to see this really clearly and know this in our deepest being. All that we can do is because of what, is because of what God has put in us. And all that we can't do is because we are human. We are mortal. We can only do the things that God has created us to be able to do. Let me give you a, a silly example of this. Just, just last week I was playing golf, which I love a bit of golf, uh, and uh, do you know what, I genuinely, I was playing okay, I was quite pleased with myself. However, any of you who've ever played golf or watched golf will know that it doesn't really matter how hard you hit the ball or how far or how well you hit the ball. Ultimately, if you can't get that ball in the hole, kind of golf becomes really, really hard work. That was me last weekend. Me in my mortality, <laughs> me in my, human, in my humanity. I just could not. Give me the putter, give me the ball. I, it seemed to go further away from the hole than closer to it. I just couldn't do it. It was so frustrating. And I had a, if I'm honest, a really exasperating time playing golf. Never mind. It could be part. And let me give you another example. Anyone who's had, uh, ever had to change a baby's nappy, you think, yes, I'm a very competent adult. I can do this. How hard can it be? Again, it can be, it can be really hard work. Very, very tricky stuff. Or, I don't know, the Tesco um, you know, self-checkout self service. That's another one that just totally baffles me. We have these moments in life, don't we, all the time, where we just, we just can't. Things that we think should be simple, we should be able to do well within our, well within our capabilities. We just can't do them. We are, you know, these are very humbling experiences, often if they seem very silly. But we are, we are mortal. This is the key point here. We are human. We are not God. In contrast, when we look to Jesus, we see what, you know, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the eternal son. The one in whom all things are possible and nothing is impossible. In Jesus we see the perfect, unblemished example of what it takes to walk humbly. The Apostle Paul uh, in the New Testament wrote about this, wrote about Jesus and the example he sets in humility in, in the letter to one of the early churches. Um, after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And this is a, you can find this in Philippians, uh, one of the letters in the New Testament. Philippians 2, um, this is verse 3 to 8. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. 
your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus Christ, the humble king. If you have said yes to Jesus in your life, or perhaps you're on that journey towards Jesus right now, good news, good news. If you've said yes to Jesus, your life belongs to the one who showed us how to walk humbly. Now, if you've been part of this church for any length of time, you'll know that uh, we frequently revisit this, this uh, tenet of, of that our lives are to look like Jesus. We talked a lot about living like Jesus, looking like Jesus in this church. That we are apprentices to him. That our lives are to become more and more like him. That our lives are to look more and more like the life that it would look like if he was to live our life for us. And what I think is really important I want to say to you today is that to walk humbly is to live like Jesus. And if we want to live like Jesus, then we are to walk humbly. And we see this when we look at Jesus. Jesus was the son of God. And yet he was born not in a hospital, but in a barn. Jesus was the prince of peace. And yet as a child, he was a homeless refugee. He didn't grow up in a palace. Jesus was the triumphant Messiah, and yet he arrived in Jerusalem riding a donkey, not a chariot. Jesus was an incredibly sought-after teacher and rabbi. People flocked all around him all the time, and yet he was more often found on his own, rather in front of an audience. And as we've just looked at in Philippians, Jesus was the sacrificial lamb. He died on a cross. He had his life cut short. He wasn't able to die a peaceful death in his sleep. He was the eternal one who became mortal. Yes, mortal, just like, just like we are. He was the one who became mortal in order to rescue us and set us free. So when we look at Jesus, we see a very humble life. And we also get a sense from Jesus what a, hum what a humble life does not look like. A humble life is not one that seeks attention or acclaim. Uh, in fact, Jesus often modelled the opposite of that. That can feel quite problematic and quite tricky. We live in a culture right now where attention, you know, there's a whole kind of attention economy. Whether it's subconscious or not, attention is, is kind of is prized. Often actually it's monetized these days through you know, YouTube hits or social media likes and, and, and so on attention and acclaim are very difficult to square with the idea of walking humbly. Jesus also uh, modelled that a humble life is not one that actually pursues worldly success or, or wealth or even recognition. He wasn't interested in, in competition. He wasn't interested in rising up above other people. He wasn't interested in being remunerated for his work. He operated purely on the basis of his kingdom mission and that alone. And Jesus also models something else in, in, in this line of the idea of walking humbly. He modelled that in a humble life, 
One's first thought isn't always yourself. His was a life and a ministry and then ultimately a death that was for others, not for himself. And this leads me on to the third aspect. So we've looked at already at ourselves and we've looked at God, but the third aspect is, is others in this. To walk humbly massively affects other people in our life. Because when we have established a clear sense of ourselves and of God in our lives, it's then that we really start to live a life for others. And this is why, you know, going back to what I said at the start, this is why there is such a strong connection between humility and the themes of justice and compassion. That's why, why I think God was speaking to, to Micah through this, putting these things together. There's a wonderful book uh, by Tim Keller. So, uh, do you know It's a wonderful book because it's really short uh, and you can read it really quickly, which, which helps me. Uh, it's a wonderful book. Tim Keller is an author and a pastor over, over in the States, over in New York. And he's written, well, he's written many books, but one of them is called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. I'd really, I'd heartily recommend this book to you. It's a, like I said, it's very short as well. You can read it in no time at all. And in this book, he unpacks what it is to be, in, in his words, a gospel humble person, a gospel humble person. And in this book, he, he uses the example of, the, again, the Apostle Paul, who wrote that letter we looked at earlier to the church in, in uh, the church of the Philippians. And this time, he, Paul writes a letter to the church in Corinth. Uh, this is in the uh, New Testament, but the first, first Corinthians. And basically, he's right, a part of that letter, he addresses the lack of humility in that church. And that church had been beset by divisions and factions. It obviously all got very political. And as a church, they just weren't walking humbly anymore. Things had obviously got toxic. And when things get toxic and divided like that, it's almost impossible uh, to remain a people that would be uh, acting justly and, and loving mercy and showing compassion to people. And in this book, Tim Keller introduces the idea that that it's a gospel humble person, is one who is, who is not shaped by the world around them. They, they refuse to almost kind of conform to other people's thoughts or ideas or feedback and all the different arguments and divisions around them. But he also says that, you know, and this is what the Apostle Paul was saying in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, is I'm not going to be shaped by the world, but I'm also not going to be shaped by me. I no more trust myself than I do the world around me. Instead, he finds his identity solely in Christ. He won't be beholden to the world. He won't be beholden to himself and his own ego. Just Christ. That's a gospel humble person. And Tim Keller uses this, and I think this is an incredibly helpful uh, thing to remember. He says this, a gospel humble person is, is this, not thinking any more of myself or any less of myself rather thinking of myself less. Let me say that again. To be gospel humble is to not think any more of myself, but not to think any less of myself. It's just to think of myself less. That is the heart of walking humbly. We just think about ourselves less. We forget ourselves. There is the blessed rest of self-forgetfulness. And at the heart of walking humbly is that we just kind of come to the end of ourselves. Not in a kind of, not to push ourselves down, not to kind of bring ourselves down to earth, but also not to fill up and puff up our egos, not at all. It's just that we find everything in Christ. That is what fills us, and that is sufficient. But if we are to think of ourselves less, what are we then going to turn our attention to? What, what's left? What's going to fill the gap? 
Well, C.S. Lewis, another fantastic author, made this observation. He said that if we were to ever truly encounter a humble person, you would not come away thinking that that person was humble. You wouldn't have spent time with that person thinking, you know, with them spending all the time saying that they were a nobody and kind of pushing themselves down. Instead, what you would remember from your time with them was just how interested they are in you. I don't know if you've ever experienced that in your life, when you're around a truly humble person. I mean, I was talking about this with Alice the other day. We were actually talking about um, one of the youth workers that I, I'm still connected with. I had the blessing of being connected with. He's one of the guys that led me, to, led me to Jesus when I was about 13, 14 years old. And Alice kind of described him. And she, to see this as a guy who's just really full of life and just, a, you know, in a great way, a big personality, full of kind of um, love for others. And, yeah, he's just a, a wonderful man. And, and Alice said, oh, he's definitely not a nobody. It's just that he made you feel like a somebody. I thought that captured it really well. That's what it is to be around someone who shows real humility. It's not about them. It's not about them. But they make you feel like you really are precious. They make you feel like who you truly are in God. And it's a wonderful thing to encounter godly humility. It changes you. It changes me when we encounter it. And it changes the world around us. And that is why humility leads to justice and compassion. And we seek justice for others and we show mercy to those in need from a place of humility. If, it is, if it's pride and selfishness that lead to division, then it is humility that leads to unity. It is humility that instills in us a culture where no one is overlooked. No one is left without care and where we are all equal as we walk humbly with God. That's what it means to be a humble church. That's what it means to be a humble community. And, you know, as a church, we want to take this, take this call on our lives really, really seriously. Let's return to um, Philippians 2 just quickly before we finish. In verse 7, it says this of Jesus. It says that he took the very nature of a servant. Taking the very nature of a servant. Jesus, in his humility, became a servant king. And he lived his life in the service of others. We are called to do exactly the same here. In Cardiff and beyond across, across South Wales. We live in a city and in a region that has many, for example, many, many people who have fled from their homes, from their home countries, seeking asylum, needing, needing refuge. They fled persecution, they fled violence and all sorts. We also live in a city and in a region which has many people who are trapped in modern day slavery, often you know, within the forced labour market, perhaps through in the sex trade. We also live in a city and in surrounding towns that have many homeless people or vulnerably housed. I could go on. We are here to serve. We are here to take on the very nature of a servant. The words that were spoken over Jesus are same to us as his followers. We are humbled to be servants. We are humbled to, to do so. We, in our humility, will see others around us, whether it's an asylum seeker, whether it's a modern day slave, whether it's a homeless person, whether it's a victim of domestic violence, perhaps it's a child without a forever home. Like I say, the list goes on. And when we see the others, 
we see them with as much value as God sees them. We forget ourselves and we only see the one in front of us. It is, and it's that point that we can't but help but choose to make their problem our problem. Perhaps you're watching this and actually this is you at the moment. Perhaps you're having a really, really tough time. Perhaps you've come from a really broken, chaotic background. In our church, we are just privileged to have people from all, from all backgrounds, all stages. We are all in this together. That is the heart of humility as a church. As a humble church, we go on that journey together. We are all equal in this. Because it is humility, rather than willpower or whether it's guilt or shame, it is humility that will lead us as a church beyond any kind of apathy or beyond the pain of this, the inconvenience of this, to really care for each other, to look after each other. If it's pride and selfishness that hardens our hearts, it is humility, it's walking humbly that will keep our hearts soft. We will be moved with compassion. We will intervene. We will interrupt our lives to serve people around us. This is who we are as a church. So we will continue to serve the poor and those in need. And we will do this not for ourselves, not for our own recognition, not for our fame. But we will do this for the audience of one, because of who we are in God. Let me just finish with this. This can feel quite heavy, it can feel quite, quite tough. But actually, in this passage, look at what it says. We are to walk humbly with him, with him. This is not something we do on our own, in our own strength. We walk with our God. So I just pray now as we finish that you will feel strengthened by God this week. You will draw close to him. That you will know that this journey of humility, of walking humbly with him, is not one that we do alone, but in partnership with him. Amen.